0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to be doing another little Q&A style episode. So thank you to everybody who asked a question on my Instagram, my question and answer story this past week. I really appreciate you participating and asking some good questions in there. I haven't really been podcasting for a long time. I don't know. I'm what, 15, 16 episodes deep into this, but I've found that these Q&A style podcasts have been a little bit more fun for me um, but I've enjoyed them more than a lot of the other episodes that I've done because one I don't have to come up with all the topics that I'm going to be talking about for the episode and two I feel like I don't know I feel like answering you know real people's questions is just a little bit more applicable because I know a lot of people have similar questions on similar topics and I think this is just a great way to add a little bit more context and go a little bit deeper into some of these topics that a lot of people may be thinking. So for those of you who do not follow me on Instagram, every Wednesday I do a little Q&A Instagram story. And in this past week I kept a few of the questions that I thought deserved a little bit more elaboration than just trying to fit everything on one slide of an Instagram story. So with that being said, let's get into the first question, which was I'm constipated, but I'm consistently getting 20 to 25 grams of fiber and around 1900 calories per day. What do I do? So first off, I'm sorry you're constipated. That sucks. It's never a fun thing. Um, And honestly, at, at face value, like I can tell that you're asking this question because that sounds like you're getting an adequate amount of fiber in within that calorie range, and you'd think that that would be enough to help you have more regular bowel movements and and just keep things flowing a little bit more steady, right? However, you're having symptoms that don't really kind of reflect that, which, you know, being constipated sucks in general. And I'm going to start off by saying, and you're going to hate this probably, but there's no direct answer that's, you know, going to cure this immediately. But there are general guidelines that you can kind of check and, and see if you're doing those things and we can kind of go from there. The first would be making sure that you're properly hydrated. And this could and is probably one of the biggest things that I want you to, to check in with yourself and see. You know, people are always asking like, you know, how much water should I be drinking? And usually the recommendation that everybody's heard of is getting half of your body weight in ounces of water per day, which can be a good starting point for most people. Now it's not an exact science, but it definitely gets people in in the ballpark. And another way to check your hydration status is you can also just check your pee because your pee color is a pretty damn good indicator of your hydration status. And if your pee is like maybe a a lemonade color or lighter, like you're probably good to go. But if it's it's closer to like that yellow Gatorade-ish, you know, kind of yellow or darker than that, you're probably not hydrated enough. So I would definitely start by double checking your water intake and making sure that you're hydrated because that's an essential part of digestion and um, constipation can really be a side effect of dehydration, especially if you're eating a higher fiber diet the next thing you might hear kind of about is just this conversation on, you know, should I have more soluble fiber or insoluble fiber? Or is there a certain ratio of what type of fiber I should be eating more or less of when it comes to constipation? Um, But it turns out that this probably isn't a huge difference maker when it comes to constipation and elimination. and, And trying to figure out if you're getting more or less of these different types of fiber really isn't that big of a deal and it's not going to be, it's not going to be this big, you know, difference maker that we once maybe thought it was. It's really, it's a little bit trickier than that. And there's just a ton of overlap when it comes to fiber. And both of these types of fiber could be helpful in aiding constipation. And a lot of sources of fiber are typically a blend of these two types of fiber. So it's not like there's just a list of food that specifically outlines like you know, what type of fiber is in each food because most of them have somewhat of a blend. So I really wouldn't worry about, you know, what type of fiber you're eating more or less of. Uh, Personally I would just make sure you're adequately hydrated and and, you know, double checking that box first. Uh, After you get that in check, I might recommend that you actually try and go lober in fiber for maybe a short period of time, a few weeks, maybe it's a month just to see if that improves the symptoms that you're having. And, and then, and I know this answer is kind of sounding <laughs> like we're just throwing fucking darts at a wall, but on some level, like when we talk about gut health and digestion and alleviating symptoms in the GI tract, like there's, there's just a ton of stuff out there and a ton of stuff to try and a lot of confounding variables that go into this. Things like, Low FODMAP diets and uh, food sensitivities are kind of a big buzzwords in the in the media and the nutrition space today. But there's just so much guess in check sometimes. But I really just want to make sure you're hydrated, and let's if you're getting that in check, let's try and lower your fiber to maybe like I don't know, 15 to 20 grams a day instead of 20 to 25, and stick with that for a couple of weeks and just see if your symptoms improve. And let's say you do that, you check all of those things off the list and you get to the end of that two weeks on a little lower fiber diet, nothing's changed. I might actually just recommend you then going higher in fiber and trying to get up to that 30 ish grams per day mark instead. When it comes to eating fiber and you're having different symptoms, like especially if you're in that adequate range for you and being a female in this range, that's should be enough quote unquote, but Trying to decrease your fiber and then going higher to see if that makes a difference could be kind of the next steps. Um, And unfortunately, this is somewhat of a guess and, and check kind of game because it takes a little trial and error to see what just to see what works for you because there's really no perfect answer to this and there's no blanket answer for everybody for this. Honestly, you could be constipated for a variety of reasons, but when it comes to the amount of fiber you're eating, like maybe it's too much or maybe it's too little. Or maybe it's because you're dehydrated, right? Like those are all the things that I would recommend you check in with yourself and try first. Other causes of constipation could be things like too much stress, side effects from different medications, maybe supplements, lack of a routine when it comes to using the bathroom or different like sleep and wake cycles, being sedentary or just not exercising enough can lead to constipation. And I don't know, like there's just not a perfect answer, but given the context to this question, that's where I'd recommend you start. And since we're talking about fiber, I think it's important to mention some of the other health benefits that you know fiber can have on your health in addition to having regular bowel movements or just regular good healthy poops. And I would absolutely say some of the things that come to mind when we're talking about fiber and what it can help are one, digestive health, two, gut health, three, satiety and making sure you're satiated throughout the day, and four, potentially helping you lower your cholesterol. Those are probably the top four benefits that I would say, you know, fiber has on your health. Now, when I say lower cholesterol, I don't think it's a huge deal, meaning it doesn't have this massive magnitude effect, but it, it does have an effect for sure, right? Eating adequate fiber, eating it consistently, um, it's really important to mention that, um, it's not going to like just crazy reduce your LDL cholesterol or anything like that. It's a lot of times fiber has more to do with the amount of food that you're eating from fiber and how that's taking away from some of the other, you know, maybe not as nutrient dense, not as healthful foods that are out there, more processed foods, more takeout foods, uh, more easy to overeat foods. Like sometimes fiber, when you eat that a lot of the effect that it has is just helping you reduce some of those, you know, food higher in fatty acids or uh, saturated fatty acids, trans fatty acids, things that are not super awesome for heart health. Now, satiety is a good one from a recognition that caloric balance is important for your health and maintaining a good body composition is 100% a factor when it comes to maintaining, you know, good health. So eating foods that are higher in satiety is naturally going to be a great idea over the long run. Eating more fiber also is subconsciously going to help you eat less. And so the satiety benefits of fiber can't be, it just can't be emphasized enough. And when it comes to digestive health, like having regular poops is huge as well. Like having that consistency, you know, not being constipated, not you know, not having a bowel movement for two, three days in a row. Like it's amazing how shitty you can feel when you do not have regular bowel movements. So hundred percent fiber helps with that regularity. It helps with digestion. Um, and it can help keep you, you know, it can help keep your bowels running smoothly. But the last thing that fiber is good for. And the thing that I really want to emphasize here is, is gut health, which Gut health is 100% kind of a buzzword right now in the health space, and there's a lot of gut health gurus out there and supplements and detoxes and all these things that are, quote-unquote, going to help your gut. Um, but gut health exists for sure. It's actually one of the things that I've been interested a lot in recently as well. But very simply here for this podcast episode, when we think about the benefits of eating fiber for you know our gut or to promote better gut health, What happens is most of the food that you eat gets broken down. And that food gets it gets broken down, it gets absorbed, and it gets metabolized before it gets to your large intestine, before it gets to your colon where a lot of your gut microbiota live. Now, fiber doesn't. Like fiber does not get broken down until it gets to the colon and it it makes it to the large intestine and and can be at least partially broken down there. And what happens is When it gets broken down there, it feeds the good gut bacteria on these short chain fatty acids, which is a good thing. And this is what can promote a healthy gut microbiota. And to be honest, this whole gut health conversation can probably be a whole other podcast on its own. And it probably will one day. I'd love to to dive into that a little bit more, but I just want you to understand that having a healthy gut microbiota is a good thing. And it's important for just so many other health factors. And it can be a It can be a pretty big piece of the puzzle when you're trying to optimize your health as well. But generally speaking, eating fiber is a good thing because this fiber has these prebiotics, which is food for your your healthy gut bacteria, which can lead to some really awesome health benefits as well. Now, let's not get too in-depth with this or too much out in the weeds here, but just remember that fiber is one of the easiest and, and best things that we can do to support a healthy gut microbiota. Now, if we look at how much fiber you should be eating on a daily basis, your needs can vary from person to person. And if you were to Google like how much fiber you need, you'll probably see a blanket recommendation for females to eat around like 25 grams of fiber per day and males 35 to 38 grams of fiber per day. But generally speaking, you should shoot for at least 10 to 15 grams of fiber for every thousand calories that you eat. And that's, it's a starting point, but it's just not a bad place to start. And on average, it's going to come down to your body weight, your body size. Um, Those are also two big components of determining your calorie intake, right? So those go hand in hand, but 10 to 15 grams of fiber for every thousand calories that you eat, it's going to be a good place to start. But if we were to circle back to the original question of like, Hey, I'm constipated and I'm having this much fiber, like I think it's important to pay attention to your digestion because we all handle things differently. And if you're consistently eating 15 grams of fiber on average and you have loose stools or maybe you're constipated, like it's important for you to address that and to change things up. And obviously increasing or, or decreasing fiber intake can be one of the tools that you use to change that. So what I would do is I would pick a number that's reasonable. Let's say it's 15 to 20 grams of fiber per day. And I would do that on average and I'd actually count it out. And again, I don't think fiber is something that you need to count for your entire life. It's an, it's really important to adopt an eating pattern that gets you in the ballpark of getting enough fiber consistently without having to track it. But in the beginning, I would say it's something that I'd recommend you track just in the short term, just to see how much you're eating consistently. And if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I have no fucking clue how much fiber I eat in a day. Just track it for a couple weeks and and just get a ballpark range of how much fiber you're actually eating. And then we can talk about what your digestive health is like. So that that's just where I would start with all of that. So cool, awesome. Right on, next question we have is, besides hard liquor, what is the best alcohol to drink? Is there one you recommend people drink more of? wow this is this is a question i've been asked a handful of times since i've started working as you know a dietitian a few years back but especially working in the coaching space and working with clients and to be honest it kind of makes me laugh because we're kind of missing the point with this question here right there's a lot of people out there that are spending too much time thinking about what is the best or the lowest calorie alcohol like what what lower calorie alcohol should they be drinking instead of thinking like, man, maybe I should just drink a less quantity of total alcohol instead. And yes, like there's a difference between ordering a vodka soda and getting a fish bowl, right? Or a sugary cocktail at a restaurant that has liquid sugar and other calories added to it, not coming from the alcohol. That's like, you know, three or 400 extra calories, I agree with that for sure. Like I'd rather have you have five vodka sodas instead of five big ass margaritas because the caloric difference in those will matter 100%. But I think that more people need to be focused on how much they're drinking throughout the week. If you notice that alcohol is getting in the way or delaying your progress in any way, you're probably having too many drinks in general, which... If you think about it, it can lead to that domino effect of also eating too much drunk food and maybe being hung over more and not moving as much or feeling like shit after drinking. Like you ordering a light beer instead of a regular beer probably isn't the thing that matters most. Like having five drinks instead of one or none is what's going to make the biggest difference. And that's what's gonna matter most. So Circling back to the question, sure, in general, like liquor and zero calorie mixers, like that's going to be fine. And that could be a good plan when you do plan on drinking in certain occasions for sure. And same goes with like light beers. I'd say they're better than the alternatives because they're probably a little bit lower in calories as well. Um, And seltzers as well, like they aren't a bad option either these days. And there's so many types of seltzers out there, but like White Claw or High Noons or. I don't know, any other 100-calorie seltzers, like that can be a good idea as well. And then, I don't know, maybe there's mine. Like nutritionally, if we talk about wine, that might have a little bit more nutrients in it technically. Um, but wine might be a little bit higher in calories compared to the others. Uh, not by a ton, but I don't know. A glass of wine could be okay too if you're having that with dinner. But again, I looked at this question and thought, people are out here and and they're thinking like, how can I get hammered while drinking the least amount of calories when instead they should be thinking about how they can reduce the total amount of times that they're they're drinking, they're getting drunk. And you know, while they're trying to lose weight especially or while they're trying to reach their health goals cuz a lot of times those are the trade-offs needed to get to those health outcomes or those health goals that you're shooting for. This mindset of like how can I have 7 drinks while still managing my calories? It's just a losing scenario at the end of the day because you're better off not having that much to drink in the first place and just having calories come in from a different, more nutrient-dense source and things that are going to actually, you know, give you something back. So remember, just think about the quantity of alcohol consumed and not just the caloric content of the drinks that you're having because both are really important in this equation as well. Cool. Moving on to the next question which is visceral fat versus subcutaneous fat. Can you target fat loss when trying to lose weight? Now, before we jump into this one, for those of you who do not know, uh, visceral fat is the fat kind of around your organs, surrounding your organs, in your abdominal area, essentially. And when we look at health outcomes, visceral fat tends to be kind of the more dangerous out of the two fats, when we're talking about having excess adipose tissue or just excess body fat in general, it's really that visceral fat that, that tends to be really tightly correlated with negative health outcomes because it's the fat that's surrounding your organs and it's in your abdominal cavity. And You know, I don't mean the fat that you can casually grab around your stomach. Like if you were to take your index finger and your thumb right now and to pinch your stomach, like that's not the fat that we're talking about. Visceral fat is deeper than that. And that's what gives people kind of that bigger belly. But when we talk about subcutaneous fat, this is the fat that's below the skin. And that's the one that you can touch and pinch and feel. Now, if we're talking about losing one over the other, like when you're trying to lose weight, there's really nothing that we can do to target fat loss in different areas of our body. Like we just don't have the ability to do that. Your body is going to burn fat from wherever it wants to and it's it's going to take it from your whole body, not just specific parts that you want the fat gone from. So you can't do a thousand crunches a day and expect your body to only burn the visceral fat that's in your abdomen, right? Like that's just not how this works. And while you would want to lose visceral fat more 100%, but there's just not a diet strategy or an exercise strategy that's going to target the certain type of fat that we can, you know, burn day to day. Now, what I will say is that if you have body fat to lose, or if you're a person that has a lot of visceral fat, there's a good chance that you also have some subcutaneous fat to lose as well. And if your goal is to decrease visceral fat, the strategies are going to be the same. Like You're going to need to establish a calorie deficit. You're going to need to adhere to that and pair that with an exercise routine that you can follow through with consistently. But at the end of the day, the answer to this question, it just leads you towards the same path as everyone else who's trying to lose fat at the end of the day. So no, you cannot target fat loss or spot target or wear a slimming belt and that's going to burn more visceral fat. That's always going to come from being in a calorie deficit, exercising, and just eating a little bit less than what your body's burning day to day, and you're going to see that fat come off from where it wants to, where your body wants to pull that fat from, but we we really don't have control over where exactly that pulls from, so cool. The last question that we have today is what are some lower calorie swaps that you can make in a cut that would be helpful? Now, as I was thinking about how I wanted to answer this question, a couple things came to mind. And yes, you can make some swaps like two percent milk to almond milk and white rice to brown rice or white bread to whole wheat bread, right? and so forth. But yes, yes, these things can make a difference when you go into a cut, and it's something that that can help for sure. I don't want to discredit that, but since I've gone through my own personal cut and, and after helping a lot of my clients navigate through their own fat loss phases, I've really found that it's a change in your mindset that makes all the difference in the world when heading into your cut. And I did a whole cut review podcast. I think it was an episode back. But it, it's important that you value the highest, you know, satiety calories from certain foods when you go into a cut. That's the mindset that I want you to have. And When you go into a situation when you lower calories, what you need to do is maximize satiety per calorie. Now, you do not have to do this 100% all the time, right? Like this is the person that tells you, hey, I'm eating clean all the time or whatever the hell that means. Like that's oftentimes what people refer to as they just only eat fiber, only eat protein, only eat whole foods, and they never eat anything else besides that, which chances are you're not doing that. And if that is what you are doing, like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not diagnosing anybody or saying anything, but that is also a form of orthorexia at the end of the day and and an eating disorder or disordered eating pattern. So, um, not to get, you know, too off on a side note on that, but you know, not every single thing that you eat is going to be about maximizing satiety per calorie. But personally, when you think about it for the duration of your deficit, let's say it's eight to 12 weeks, I'm way more concerned personally with not being hungry than I am concerned about temporarily not having like the tastiest or yummiest, you know, food all the time. You know what I mean? Like I'm way more thinking to myself, like I don't want to be hungry because when I'm hungry, I'm also cranky as hell. I'm tired and I'm just more food focused throughout the day. And those temptations seem to, you know, fuck me over a little bit more um, as I am exposed to all these different foods throughout the day. So in this scenario, I'm way more focused on, you know, how can I maximize my calories to stay fuller for longer? And the best way to do that is to by eating enough protein, eating a ton of veggies and snacking on fruit or other high protein snacks and, and sticking with complex carbs and just, just temporarily saying no to some of the higher calorie foods that you enjoy on occasion. Because that's the trade-off, let's be honest, that you agreed to making as you went into your calorie deficit. And My food choices personally are based on the concept of what's going to make me the most full right now and what's going to make me feel the best because I'm already not feeling 100% by being in a calorie deficit at the end of the day. So if you're in this situation, I want you to ask yourself, like, what choices can you make, you know, to help you feel the best throughout this process or what's going to make you feel really good during or after your meal? Because You also don't want to extend the deficit longer than it needs to be either. And the one thing that I really want to get across here is, yes, making lower calorie swaps can be helpful, 100%. But when you put all your food focus and energy into thinking like, you know, this food for that food or swapping this for that, we can sometimes miss the shift in mindset that you're temporarily eating less calories. And instead, you should just be thinking about like how you can maximize the volume of food that you're eating day to day. The food that you decide to eat should be some combination of how you're feeling in the moment and how you're going to feel an hour to three hours after eating that particular food or after that meal. And ask yourself how satiating those foods are before you eat them or before you prepare something, before you order something away from home. And how satisfying is it And is it easy to overeat on? But there's somewhat of a matrix of values when it comes to choosing what you want to eat in that moment. And when you go into a calorie deficit, like you're voluntarily lowering calories. So you need to increase the value of of foods that are more satiating per calorie. And when you do that in general, that might lead to just some lower calorie swaps naturally, right? But it also leads to this mindset that's going to be a little bit more important for the duration of your cut some examples of things that I personally did when I was in my cut that helped me somewhat adhere to my deficit pretty well when I was, you know, going through that process was personally starting off my day with some Greek yogurt and just making a really big smoothie with protein powder and tons of berries and fruits. And, um, I would kind of sip on that throughout the morning or maybe I'd work out. That would be somewhat of my post-workout snack or meal. And sometimes, I'd add oats or veggies, but for me, having a breakfast that was mostly fruit and protein in the form of a smoothie or a parfait, like to me, that was super satiating and it could hold me over for a few hours. It could hold me over until I had lunch for the day. Also, it was pretty fairly low in calories, super high in nutrients, high in fiber, and I slammed a decent amount of water with that too. So that's something personally that I found worked for me. Another thing that I did was double up my veggie portion with lunch and dinner. Personally, when I eat at maintenance or when I'm in a surplus, I typically have two lunches a day. Um, But in my deficit, I cut that back to one per day. And I ate around like 50-ish, maybe grams of protein and just a shit ton of veggies with some complex carbs like brown rice or potatoes with that meal. Um, All things, if you think about it, that are really satiating, really high in fiber, pretty low in calories too. And to switch up kind of flavor profiles and spice up my meals every now and then, I would just add different lower calorie sauces like hot sauce or uh, G Hughes sauce is another awesome brand and company. And their like sauces are like five calories per serving or something crazy like that. So also something that I wanted to make note of. And and then the last thing that really helped me was I ate like 95% of my meals at home throughout the week. Like when we talk about low calorie swaps, the best bang for your buck is always going to be swapping the restaurant for your kitchen. Like there's just no debate on this one. And I promise you, the restaurants, they aren't out to get you or they're not trying to sabotage you. But the restaurants are trying to make money and they do that by making their food taste really good so people come back and they keep eating there. But they don't really care about calories at the end of the day. And when you you cook meals at home, 100% 100% of the time if you make a similar dish that you would order at a restaurant that meal you make at home is is probably going to be lower in calories than the restaurant or what you would order at that restaurant and and this is super meaningful and I'm not saying that you should be a psychopath and completely avoid eating out forever but I am saying that if you're trying to live your 2600 calorie lifestyle where you go out you know to dinner or lunch 3 to 5 times a week but you're trying to do that on 1700 calories it's just not gonna work. I, I think the average restaurant entree is like 1500,. It's like I think it's a thousand to like 1500 calories on average. And And when people talk about the difficulties of being a smaller person and trying to lose weight, that is so damn true. That's a reality that we live in as well. And it's it's just harder for smaller people to lose weight for the singular reason of, you know, today's food environment is just not conducive to losing weight for really anybody. Um, but it's not conducive for you just staying lean without trying year round, especially for, you know, my people under five, six, right. And then females who are trying to cut on, you know, maybe 13 to 1600 calories consistently. Like you just can't comfortably, you know, live in today's food environment while only trying to eat that 13 to 1700 calories a day. And for example, like I was able to cut when I was in my deficit on around 2400 calories, and I ate most of my meals at home for sure, but I could get away with going out a couple times per week if I wanted to because it was easier for me to fit that into my week. I I have a client actually right now who's a female. She's like 5'6", 135 pounds, who who was cutting on I think 14-ish 100 calories for a period of time. And it was just significantly harder for her to adhere to that. And in reality, it's it's not fair, but that's just the that's just the reality that we live in. So just some thoughts that came to mind when I was thinking about how I was going to answer that question. And, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's really difficult to continuously eat out and eat away from home and stick to a calorie range. Um, making some food swaps here and there. Yes, I think that can be a good idea, but it's more about the mentality that you go into your calorie deficit that is going to make the biggest difference, you know, and and complement your success or maybe delay that success in the long run because you going into your, your cut with the mentality of, Hey, I'm going to prioritize foods that are higher in fiber, higher in protein. I'm going to have complex carbs. I'm going to reduce the amount of empty calories, the amount of takeout, the amount of processed foods, the amount of hyper palatable foods that maybe are in your environment right now. And when you do that naturally, yes, you will likely make some, you know, food swaps that are lower in calories, but it's just more how how can you take care of yourself? How can you be more satiated? And how can you feel better after your meals? And you're going to be able to do that by not eating out at restaurants. You're going to be doing that by eating more protein, eating more veggies, having some complex carbs, having some fruits, having some higher protein snacks. You're going to do that because you're going to feel a little bit fuller throughout the course of the day, which will help you adhere to that calorie deficit too. So cool. Enough on that. I... I think I'm going to end the episode on there. That's the last question that I had. Perfect. Yep. And thank you again to everybody who asked a question on my Instagram. I really hope these help. I really enjoy doing these and I'm planning on continuing to do them. So keep an eye out for those in the future. And until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with intention, and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. Hope you have a good one today and we will talk soon. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.